and distracted. So they're going like this with this sign. I've never seen Revelation 3.20. A golf match when you're supposed to be really quiet. You're supposed to be really quiet. You don't talk. Somebody's playing golf. But it's okay to wear a shirt. But it always says John 3.16, right? That's the one verse. Everybody... People who don't even have any idea what John 3.16 says still know that if there's going to be a shirt on there with some kind of a Bible reference from a holy book they don't know anything about, they know that it's John 3.16. Now for the past, I don't know, for the past 200 years, maybe it's even farther than that, maybe it's for the past 300 years, people have been living longer and we are getting to the point where we are able to eliminate diseases. And then all of a sudden the coronavirus pops up. But we have, we have completely, as far as I know, completely eliminated the disease of smallpox. It's eradicated. It's gone. This is quite a day and age that we live in. Now, not all of us, but most of the world breathes clean air and has access to clean water. Not everybody, but most. And even though it's, you know, if we're going to describe our life, it's not perfect. But I, I can tell you firsthand of, you know, traveling here and there, I, life is pretty good right here. I mean, it's good. Even on our worst day, it's still better than the way a number of people live. But at the same time, you know, we still have all these problems. We have wars. We have poverty. People are concerned with the environment. For, but for the most part, unless we live in a far away third world country, we'd have to admit that life is pretty good. Technology and science are now doing things we would have never imagined even 10 years ago. Sharon and I can now ask Alexa what the weather forecast for the day is before we even get out of bed. Now that's living. That's living. You remember the good old days when you had to look it up on your phone? You know, those days are gone. We just talked to Alexa. What's the, what's the Twins score from, well, once the season starts, I can ask her, what was the Twins baseball game last Thursday? What was the score? This morning, I actually did. I asked you want into my life, you're going to get into my life. This morning I asked Alexa, what's the temperature in the weather forecast for today? And it was 24 degrees. That sounded pretty good. And I said, oh, and one more thing. Alexa, I've learned that you have to ask her by her name. She doesn't respond. When I'm out in the hall, you just say, hey, you, and I look. But you have to ask Alexa by name. What's the weather forecast for Colorado Springs, Colorado? Our daughter lives there. Oh, man, it's supposed to be 48 degrees there. What are we doing living here? This is quite a world we live in. We can ask Alexa if you have the right equipment to turn on your coffee maker even before you get out of bed. So when you get out of bed, you can also ask Alexa to turn the heat up in the, on the thermostat. I mean, who would have ever imagined this stuff 10 years ago? So I'm trying to imagine what life will be like 10 years from now. Can you imagine 10 years from now going into a Walmart where you don't have to go to a cashier? You can check out your own groceries. They should have that in the next 10 years or so, shouldn't they, Frank? 10, 15 years, that'll show up. Imagine the 
it's four or five o'clock in the afternoon and you're hungry for a Big Mac. And imagine living in a world where you can just get on your cell phone and punch the right app and they will deliver a Big Mac to you. What in the world? What kind of a world would that be? Imagine traveling around the world and being able to call your wife at home on Wi-Fi over the internet and you can talk for two hours and it's free. It's free. Imagine living in a world like that in the future. Imagine, and we just had this in our house a couple weeks ago, where Sharon wasn't feeling well and she didn't really want to go to the doctor. And they said, well, we can't get you in for three, four days anyway, but we can talk to you in 25 minutes if you just turn on your computer. And there's the doctor talking to Sharon in the living room. What? I'm blown away at the world we live in. I, I am convinced there's nothing new. This is it. There's nothing new. I mean, who could even think of something? I can't even think of something. I'm trying to figure out how to operate all the stuff we've got. I can't even think ahead. What could we possibly do 10 years from now? What is going to change? This is one good world. But one thing still remains the same. No matter how good it is, one thing still remains the same, and it's been the same since Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden. It's sin. We cannot get rid of sin. And, and not only can we not get rid of sin, we have no way by ourselves to pay the penalty for the sin that God requires. Our only hope, our only choice, our only chance is to put our faith in Jesus. And for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, that sounds good. But for people outside of the world of Christianity. Everybody wants to believe they can earn. There's 27 different ways to get to heaven, and you know it's a whole different world out there, but it's not going to work. It's interesting to me that people want to spend all of eternity in heaven, but they don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. I don't understand that. But that's the world we live in. We've got a problem. No matter how many times you talk to Alexa, no matter how many times you use your smartphone, we've still got this problem with sin, and we've got to figure out a way to get rid of it. That's what the world's trying to do. And yet Isaiah 53, 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Not just some of us, but we have all gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Romans 3, 23 says, for all have sinned, not just some. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Even though we seem to have improved on almost every imaginable part of our life, our most serious problem still exists, and there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing that anyone can do about it on their own. No matter how hard we try to do good works, no matter how hard we try to live a good life, it will never be good enough to get to heaven. Ever since Eve, and it's easy to stand here and blame her, even ever since Eve ate the apple, Satan has continually promoted this lie that if you really live a good life, get to heaven. But it's a lie. It's a lie. And yet the Bible is clear. People who follow their own path of attempting to get to heaven by doing good works are going to end up in hell. It says in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. And that's why God 
sent Jesus into the world. For thousands of years, people attempted to get to heaven by doing good works, and when they realized that their good works were not enough, they sacrificed the blood of animals on an altar. And in God's grace and his love toward mankind, he accepted that blood on the altar as the price for their sin. But here's the problem. They could cut the throat of a lamb or some cattle and take that blood and put it on the altar. And at the moment, their sin would be forgiven. But five minutes later, when they fall into sin again, now they're on their own. The only way to have that sin forgiven is now you've got to go back and cut another lamb, slaughter another cow, pour that blood on the altar. And they went through this for thousands of years. Trying to come up with, can you imagine how much blood? There are stories in the Old Testament where there are thousands upon thousands of animals slaughtered at the same time. It would be like going out here to Smithfields and just standing. And if you stood in the right place in that building out there where they're butchering hogs day after day after day, the blood would run like a river. That's what it took to get rid of our sin. But then the minute we offer that sacrifice and five minutes later when we sin, we've got to go... Cancel, we've got to go kill another animal and pour more blood. Hebrews 9, 7, but only the high priest entered the inner room, and that was only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people. But God's word tells us in Hebrews 10, 4, it is impossible. Say that with me, impossible. It's impossible. Say it again. Some of you aren't saying it. It's impossible. It's impossible. For the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. There is not enough blood in this world to pay the price for our sin. And that's why God sent Jesus into the world. So that Jesus could go to the cross and shed his perfect blood as the full and final and complete price for our sin. And that brings us to our verse for today. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 1 John 2 2 says, He is, Jesus, this is, He is the atoning sacrifice. That means He paid the full price, not just part of the price. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. One night in Jerusalem, you want to travel back with me? Travel back with me to the year, the early 30s AD. There's a Pharisee, and his name is Nicodemus. And he's been. In Jerusalem, he's heard Jesus talking. And he comes to Jesus one night, and he asks Jesus about this thing that Jesus keeps talking about. The kingdom of God. Now, my interpretation of this passage is, Nicodemus is smart as a whip. He's part of the Sanhedrin. That's like being... That's like being on the Supreme Court here in the United States. There's only, what, seven or nine people in the whole country. We, well... You know, nine out of 350 million? I mean, you've got to have some qualifications to get on that. He's on the Supreme Court in Israel. They call it the Sanhedrin. And, but he does, I don't think he wants the other people on the Sanhedrin, or he doesn't even want the other Pharisees to know that he's having this conversation because he goes to Jesus at night. Let's read John 3. I'm going to read the first 16 verses. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. 
That's the Sanhedrin, by the way. He came to Jesus at night, verse 2 says, and said, Rabbi, we know that you were a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs. See, he's got it. Nicodemus understands these signs, these things that point to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. No one could perform these signs you're doing if God were not with him. Verse 3, Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can a how can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Verse 9, how can this be, Nicodemus asked. Now look at Jesus in verse 10. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen, but still you people. In the Greek New Testament, that's plural. You, that's the whole nation of Israel. Jesus says, and yet you, Israel, you still refuse to accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who, what? Believes, underline that word, so that everyone who believes may have eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The Apostle Paul describes Jesus in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. He describes Jesus as God's, well, depending on what translation you're using, he describes Jesus as God's indescribable gift. You know what it is to be indescribable? It means there's no way to describe it. It's without words. It's beyond vocabulary. There's no way to actually use your tongue and your mouth and your jaw. And there is God's gift to mankind in the gift of Jesus is so big and so beyond anything we can even comprehend. There's no real, there's no real way to even understand this. It's indescribable. Another translation I read said, it's too wonderful for words. And another translation says, it's priceless. It's unspeakable, it's tremendous, it's inexpressible, it's overwhelming. God's purpose for giving his indescribable gift of Jesus was what? Because he loves us. Now look at verse 16. For God so loved the world, the world includes everything we can see and everything outside of what we can see. It includes everything we know and everything we don't even know. It includes created items as well as created people. Have you ever tried to imagine how big the universe is that God created? 
I mean, those of you who live outside of Sioux Falls, if you live in a rural area, you can go outside at night, and it's a whole different world out there when you can see the stars. Here in town, can't see anything. This universe that God created and the incredible, you know, it didn't just evolve. It didn't, it's not some black hole out there with power. Just keep, no, no, no. God created it and he created it out of nothing. People who come up with these numbers, I, I don't know. But scientists now believe that the distance from Earth to the edge of the universe, I'll tell you, I can't even comprehend this. The distance from right here in Sioux Falls to the end of the Earth is 46 billion light years. Now let me explain what that is. A light year is the distance that light travels in one year. Just to understand this, light travels 186,000 miles per second. You understand that? So if we would go outside, and if the earth was flat, which it's not, you could turn on your flashlight if you had enough power. The problem with turning on your flashlight, it's only got enough power to get about 100 feet away. But if it was possible that you could turn on your flashlight and that light just kept coming, it would go in one second, it would go, travel 186,000 miles. Now it's 27,000 miles around the equator, give or take. That means in one second, if it was flat, light could travel around the world six times. In one second. In two seconds, it could travel 386,000 miles. It's 225,000 miles to the moon. A beam of light can get there in one and a half seconds. In two seconds, light can travel 360,000 miles. In three seconds, it can travel 540,000 miles. That's three seconds. Now, back up a minute. Let's go back to the 186,000 miles per second. Now, do this at home this afternoon. If light travels at 186,000 miles per second, how far would that travel in one minute? So multiply 186,000 times 60, and that will tell you how far light can travel in one minute. Now multiply that times 60, and that'll tell you how far light travels in one hour. Now multiply that number times 24, and that'll tell you how far light can travel in one day. Now multiply that number times 365, and that'll tell you how far light can travel in one year. Now multiply that number times 46 billion. And that'll tell you how far it is from Sioux Falls to the end of the universe. And God created it all out of nothing. For God so loved the world. Everything we can see, everything we can enjoy, including the people who live here. He created humans. And all people everywhere. Those who love him and those who don't love him. That he gave his only 
His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. There is absolutely nothing in us pathetic, sinful people that would ever cause God to get our attention and love us because we're sinners. Even on our best days, we're still sinners. Even on our best feeble attempts at doing good works, we're still sinners. And there's nothing we're ever going to do to get God to fall in love with us because we're sinners. 1 John 4, 10 says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We are, every one of us, rotten, no good sinners. But God loves us because in His sovereignty, He chose to do so. Romans 5.8 says, But God commends His love for us in that while we were still sinners, and let me remind us, we still are, but once we repent of our sin and put our faith in God, we are His children, but we still continue to sin. God demonstrates His love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's plan of salvation is an act of love, and it has absolutely nothing to do with our attempt at good works. Now let's look at that verse one more time and then I'll close. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Let's be very clear on this before I pray. Verse 16 is not teaching universal salvation. It's not teaching that everyone's going to heaven. Salvation will only be given to those people who believe in Jesus. Now remember from two or three or however many weeks ago that was, believed, to place confidence in. To believe that He is who He said He is. To believe that He is the Son of God. To believe that He is the Messiah the world has been waiting for. Salvation will only be given to those who believe in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes that Jesus is the son of God, for those people who believe that he is the Messiah, for those people who believe that he went to the cross and shed his blood so that we could have our sin forgiven, that they will not perish and that they and they alone will have eternal life. Now, the ESV study Bible, and I love it and I like it, but it's too big for an old man like me to carry, so I just leave it on my desk. But there's a footnote next to verse 16 in the ESV study Bible, and some of you have one. It says this, that verse 16 is an astounding statement due to the fact that the Old Testament and other Jewish writings had always and only spoken of God's love for his people Israel. But now, see, that's why Nicodemus is confused and he comes to Jesus at night. Now with this statement that Jesus makes in John 3.16, we understand that God's love is for everyone, for Jewish people and for Gentiles. But only those people who respond to him in faith, only those people who believe that Jesus is who he said he is, they are the ones who will receive eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. Amen. Let's, uh, we're going to take the offering. Let's close in a word of prayer and the ushers will come and take this morning's offering.
By the way, if you're here visiting, just keep your offering. This is just for people who consider Cross Point their home church. We're glad you're here. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that we can hold in our hands. And I, I sometimes wonder and uh, need to be reminded that we live in a very, well, it seems like we live in a very wonderful place. We live where conveniences are above and beyond anything we could even ask or imagine. But we remind ourselves that you and you alone have placed us here for a reason, not just to enjoy technology, but you've placed us here and you want us to be salt and light to the world around us. So I ask that we would understand, perhaps in a new way, that yes, God loves us, and yes, Jesus died on the cross for us, but only those people who believe in Jesus are going to go to heaven. Help us to have a heart for lost people. Help us to have the courage to share the good news of Jesus with people who are lost and on their way to hell. And to realize that we can't lead people to Christ. We can only sow the seeds. So help us to be faithful in doing what you're asking us to do. Thank you for your word that we hold in our hands. Lord, we thank you for each gift we're about to receive. We ask that you'd walk with us in the days ahead. Encourage us. Watch over us. And Lord, if it would be your desire that we could come back next Sunday and worship you together again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.